KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday, good 55 and overcast. What a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Well, anyway, as we march our way to and through spring, it is. This is kind of eh, part and parcel of what we get. Uh, phone lines here, two hours, no guests, 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. I'm your host for the next two hours hours on the Helitech Home Improvement Show. We are talking about all things about your home, your buildings, any office, uh, going back to work, you know, your workspace, your health, uh, disinfecting services, various systems within your house that can advance and protect your health or not, uh, how we look about those things. But right now, my big deal is we're kind of, you know, we're in March. We're sneaking around, uh, you know, flirting with and have had some 70 degree temperatures, wonderful days here this past week. But keep in mind, we will have spring, we will have um, winter, and we will likely have quite a bit of precipitation. Oftentimes in the month of May or month of March, it is snow. Uh, phone lines here for calling this show. Ask me any question related to buildings. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Kind of the long and the short of where uh, this show came from. It's it's more than a half century old. This home improvement show has gone, <coughs> excuse me, uh, quite a while. I have been here for, I don't know, maybe 22, 23 years before me. A person had it uh, elsewhere. Schneider was, I don't know, at least five or six years, and before that was somebody that went on for quite a bit long time. So it's a popular show here on KMOX. Uh, I like it. I enjoy sharing my knowledge. I'm a second-generation remodeler, construction, carpenter person, so really this is a way that I get to pay it forward from two generations of previous constructors in the Mosby family. Uh, I'm joined at work, at least during my day job, Mosby Building arts we actually have licensed plumbers licensed electricians we have a full painting crew uh, certainly full carpentry uh, demolition laborers and then that is topped off really with a full architectural firm we are licensed architects in the state of Missouri so the whole thing as it developed and this was really the vision of my father and you know during my tenure I just managed not to mess it up but the issue became how many parts of the pie can be coordinated better and really if you remember as children the game of telephone that you start with six chairs or ten chairs and you know you whisper quietly from one chair to the next um, you know well the cat was gray you know and then by the time you get ten chairs along you know it's like the rocket ship went to space so all of that in having Number one, a busy industry of home remodeling and construction. Um, That's a big deal. So then everybody's running top speed. And then if they're decentralized, which certainly this whole COVID thing has done, uh, but likewise having people not on the same team but coordinating – 
it uh, requires additional construction and project management skills. So that's kind of how and why Mosby Building Arts has developed having all of our own people uh, just because it's frankly easier when your family, your teammate, your workmate next to you went to the same training skills and has the same objectives and communicated with. So it's the soft skills of the business, not so much how technically uh, competent the plumber is or how to cut a miter, uh, the paint finish, the proper selection of sheen, color, whatever it is, but really how it all works together or not. So the less connected the communication, the different the outcome. And my favorite analogy is uh, the Star Spangled Banner, our national anthem. Uh, and they say, well, you all have the same plans. It'll be the same project. Well, I guarantee that Arthur Fiedler and the Boston Pops on the 4th of July has the same set of plans, has the same sheet music that Roseanne Barr had when she sang at the uh, baseball game. So keep in mind, it's the interpretation and the execution. The plans are important, but communicating, training, and then getting a feedback loop into that is what's important. And that's really what this radio show is part of and why I enjoy doing this on Saturdays, because I get the opportunity, uh, despite some of the um, voids in the marketplace, if I can bring consumers up to a higher level and just not necessarily teach them how to build a house, but how to ask a good question and then how to hear what they're looking for and trust their own instincts, they become better consumers. That's really my my mission and my objective here. My name is Scott Mosby. Um, golly, I've been in the construction industry my whole life and uh, I enjoy it. It's an industry where I work with creatives on the design, the selection, interior designers, uh, certified aging in place, cap specialists, everything as far as accessibility um, and, and everything in preparing the job. But when you then have this incredible relationship with the designers, with a client, and then you go to an outside construction team, those are the guys that get paid all the money, frankly, the, the dollars to execute a construction project. And they also get the accountability and the warranty responsibility. So it just seems, it just baffles me that that's the last team brought on board and that those are the guys that get the leftover communication. And so that's really, I'm describing what we practice and really where my dad did back in the 70s was design build. Let's, you know what, let's pick our team. And, and frankly, Frank Lloyd Wright did all this years ago. You know, you take all the skills, all the designers, all the masons and the carpenter, you throw them in one room, you lock the door, and you don't let them come out till they're done. They better learn to play together. So that's kind of how uh, design build works. And uh, anyway, so that's where I wind up with a lot of this experience. I have a whole bunch of teammates that are teaching me how to do this stuff and how to be sharp. So that's the knowledge that I hope to bring to you today on the Helitech Home Improvement Show. We have phone lines 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. I am thrilled to be here. And I, along with KMOX and the entire newsroom here and staff, are at your service on KMOX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. 
All right, back together, phone lines fired up and ready. Did you hear that? Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. We're talking about outdoors soon, folks. Maybe like myself, you've been outdoors a little bit more than you normally were just because. Anyway, now's the time to get out and have that vision because uh, when these vaccinations come, it's my opinion, they're, they're going to come hard and fast and you know we're going to wind up with a bunch of people getting stuck pretty quick. Uh, let's go to the phone lines here on CAMWAX. Talk to my friend Joan. Joan, good morning. Welcome to Cam yes. and how can I help you? Hello. Hello, you're on, Joan. Uh, I have a problem. I've, I've got a leak in my shower, uh-huh. and I don't know how to turn the water off. Uh, uh, to your shower head? Yes, it, it's leaking down from there. Okay. But uh, everything else is the uh, shut-off valves, you know, for the toilets, for the uh, vanities, and even the kitchen sink. But there's no way. We can turn the shower off. Have you seen? Uh, are you? Is it a? Do you have a basement there, Joan? Yes. Uh, sometimes you may wind up there. If there's a riser, a couple of hot and a cold pipe that goes up from the basement, uh, it's common hold for on, those just, to have shut off. Can you hold on just a minute? I want to get the other phone. I can't hardly hear you. Hold on, please. Okay. Sure. Sure. Sounds like Joan's in a pickle. We need to get yeah, her. Yeah, I can uh, hear you going. now. Okay. Now, Joan, uh, down in the basement where the hot water turns from horizontal running around the basement, the pipe, and then it goes up into the wall. So somewhere underneath that bathroom or underneath one of the walls of that bathroom, usually, you'll find a blue and a red shutoff handle or, or knob. Um, and that would be in the basement. Uh-huh. Uh, and that typically shuts off the whole bathroom. So where those things come out of the wall... Uh, that can be done. Also, uh, how old is the shower faucet inside your shower? I imagine it's the original house, 82. Uh, 82? Uh, a single handle? Uh, you just pull it. And yeah, that's a single handle. It's a mowing faucet, but you just pull the handle in and out. You, know, uh, you may actually off. have built into that shower body, that valve body, uh, little stops. There are little screws. You take the knob off, which is usually a Phillips head, you know, for a Moan or a Delta. And then the escutcheon, that, that chrome thing or the round disc around that uh, comes off. And then the plumber or you are looking at a brass, you know, valve body. And usually in that valve body, on some of those, they might have little bitty regular flat knife blade screwdrivers, not a Phillips. And there, you can shut off at that valve body uh, where that is. Uh, but if you have a um, a, sh- a leak in the shower, um, it, if yeah, it's, it's behind it's the wall, coming down from from you know where the that gooseneck or whatever it is comes down with with the uh, uh, nozzle nozzle on that the water comes out. That's yeah. leak, 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 leak. Does that leak when you don't take showers? It just started yesterday. Okay. I had taken the shower, and I couldn't shut the water up, and I couldn't figure out why. <laughs> wow, wow. Is it still leaking now, even though yes. the shower valve is yes, off? Yes, sir. It's been leaking since 11 o'clock yesterday. Huh. Um, okay, well, that is a plumbing issue. Oh, um, shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is probably open wall surgery of some sort. Um, and I'll, I'll tell open you a little wall. story. Pardon me? Open wall? You're scaring me. Well, yeah, and it usually comes from the backside, so don't be afraid that we're going through the tile or whatever. The first thing that a plumber looks at is how what's the easiest way I can get to this. And so sometimes we'll open the drywall out, way, out in a hallway or maybe in the back of a closet of an adjoining bedroom, something like that, to open it's it up. Back-to-back back, back bathroom 
I imagine the uh, shower yeah. the things are on both of them. If I'd shut off one shower, both showers would shut off. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that you know, that's how you turn it off, and and I suspect you're exactly right that you will shut off those valves in the basement, and all water to the second floor, those two bathrooms, you know, stops. Uh-huh. That would be common, um, and that might be what you do. You know, you just let the toilets fill up, shut off the water, and then when you need to use the commode, you just go ahead and flush it, and just turn the water back on down in the basement long enough to keep it going. But I think you're heading toward a plumber. To figure this out, if it's still leaking, then it's leaking from the water supply, as you've asked or uh-huh. suggested. But uh, most of those shower. What I was going to suggest is, if it leaks, usually when you take a shower, the seal around that um, tub spout and the finish cover plate for the shower. If you think about it, if the water hits in the forehead and you're facing the wall, the 45 degree bounce off is right at those faucet valves and right at that spout if it hits in your tummy. So oftentimes it's the finish spout and handles in the shower that leak, not because the plumbing is leaking, but because the seal around those trim plates and um, uh, spout that's what no my long- daughter said, and she thought she could fix it, but I can't turn the water off. Yeah, yeah, that well, it's it's down in the basement, and you may need to turn that off, you know, for some time to dry it off and let all that stuff dry out, because once you get construction materials wet, it takes days to dry them out. Oh, great. Yeah, well, yeah, it could be. I mean, or it's the other side where the supply water, you know, from the hot and the cold line is leaking, and that does happen, I will tell you. Um, so, you know, it's rare, but it does happen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was hoping you was going to have a simple answer for me. <laughs> well, I've got I've got two answers for you. One's simple and one's not. But uh, honestly, even don't don't be afraid of this. If you have to open up that drywall from the backside or pull off some tiles, if that's the case, if you really can't do it, start with a plumber because the plumber can do a lot of this stuff usually from the finished cover plate. So get the plumber out there, pull off that escutcheon or that round thing around the the. Uh, yeah, it just didn't make sense that there wasn't a shut-off valve to the shower. <laughs> well, I suspect in a 1982, they're probably built into the valve body. Uh-huh. All you right. Know, so that, well, then the plumber anyway. can pull that stuff off, turn the hot and cold off, and then change that shower, that valve, you know, the actual uh, cartridge. Uh-huh. So. All right. All right. Well, good Thank luck, you. Joan. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Cam Wax. Next up, let's talk to my friend Jay, Josh. We've, we're on to the Joan and the Josh. Hey, Josh, good morning. Welcome to Cam Wax. How can I help you, friend? Hi, Scott. Um, I have a, a brick home, and in my front room of my house, uh, there's water damage under the windows and the plaster. And I wanted to know what order I need to go in to repair and prevent uh, that from happening in the future. Um I need to. I want to know if I should look into installing a gutter or awning over the windows. Uh, do I need tuck pointing done? Should I get new windows? And at what point do I have the plaster repaired? Um, this is the inside plaster on your exterior mm-hmm. windows with brick. Yeah, the How inside of the, of the room. Uh, 1930. 1930. So you're in a full masonry house. There's no wood in those walls. It's all full masonry construction in the 30s then. Okay. Um, 
Uh, so think of it this way. When the house was built, you have concrete block on those outside walls and then brick on the outside. Mm-hmm. So literally, the stonemasons uh, laid up the brick, the hole in the wall at that window and others, without a window in it. Um, okay. Then the window, when the brick gets laid up, sometimes they would have, uh, what, what's your window made out of? Is it a wood window? No, it looks like it's uh, probably aluminum. It says uh, it's thermal guard by season hall. Okay. Um, that that then has a flange on it, so that window actually gets kind of laid up with the rest of the brick. My point being that between, I think this is pretty simple, um, okay. you, may, you may have uh, just a, a simple leak between the outside brick and the outside surface of, surface of the aluminum, which would be caulking. That's number one. Okay. The little nastier secret inside that is you may have um, weep holes, W-E-E-P, like like crying, weeping, weep holes that mm-hmm. allow the water to get down in the bottom uh, track of that aluminum window frame and then drain okay. out. So make sure that water is getting to the outside. Sometimes that stuff doesn't get past those weep holes and it just soaks in at the corners and then it's inside your okay. wall cavity and all that. Now, that's number two. Here's my number three most likely one. The window got okay. so cold this winter that it condensed because aluminum, you know, oh. aluminum only got a little bit warmer than the outside temp. So it's six below zero or zero, mm-hmm. six above. We're talking about one cold piece of metal touching the inside moist air of your home. And on the inside, and that's where the condensation would be, you'd have droplets of water on the inside base of those windows, even behind the okay. plaster. You see what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah, because all the damage is at the bottom of underneath the window frame. Yeah, yeah, and that's so. Even so, the whole window frame com- condenses. It gets cold. It's just like your iced tea glass in July. You know, outside in the summer, mm-hmm. that condenses. But that happens all over. Well, then mo- Mother Nature and gravity it all rides down to the bottom, yeah. and the stuff at the top get it. It, it escapes by flowing downward. Well, the stuff at the bottom. Yeah. There's a dam there called the bottom of the window, and boom, that's where it stops, sinks <laughs> into your plaster. So I think you're pretty much into just a, a cosmetic thing um, to really fix okay. it. You need to replace your windows, but, you know, for a little bit of plaster problem, that may be more than you want a stomach. You follow what I'm saying? Just fix your plaster, no, paint not... it. Oh, okay. You see what I mean? Because yeah. to stop that, you buy a better window and you remove that aluminum okay. piece and you, and you mm-hmm. cut that flange out and then you insulate and foam around. And then the difference between a new window and an old window, even if you were to buy aluminum windows again, would be a thermal break. You'd have outside metal and then kind of a gasketed plastic thing in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. halfway between in and out, and then metal on the inside. So it doesn't conduct, and you don't wind up with that condensation, even if you were to, again, buy okay. aluminum windows, you see? That's mm-hmm. back in the 30s. They, you know, energy was so cheap that an air conditioning hadn't started much yet for houses, so they didn't really know about it at that time. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yep, so proportional consumer decision do i want to fix the plaster and paint the room or do i want to go at this with window replacement so you know but i that, think window replacement probably for the long run 
Oh, yeah. Well, if you're thinking about it, now's the time because with part and parcel, you'll fix that problem with a, a really yeah. good installation okay. of a window. Bad installation of the window, you won't fix it. It'll just keep coming yeah. back. But that's the difference okay. between. Yeah, I wasn't sure because the outside of my front house, it's it's got like a flat front. So I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if. It probably still would be a good idea to put some kind of covering out there, don't you think? There's no gutter above it, and there's well, no the gutter, awning above the gutter's the valuable. Yeah, the gutter's valuable, or a spit or something that deflects the water away, mm-hmm. because when the water comes right off the shingles off that roof, you know, about three feet below the edge of the roof, which is halfway through your window, that's where the water yeah. touches the wall. So that's a big okay. deal. I, I, You know, I'd look into gutters if you can handle it with the trees and the leaves and all of that. Yeah. But, yeah. I should be good. There's no trees out there. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So do you think I probably should just get new windows and uh, then did the then the plaster repair probably afterward? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. And and your whole conversation about the windows are, tell me what you're going to do so my windows don't leak and this doesn't happen again. Yeah. And, oh, well, we yeah. do this and we do that. Well, again, so it's easier to sell you windows than it is installation because installation is really hard to describe a good job and a bad job. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, thanks for your help. I really appreciate it. Okay, Josh, way to go, bud. Go get them. All right, thank you. All right, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement Camo X. Off and running, uh, Joan with a shower leak, Josh with a window leak. Uh, some of this stuff, it may it may not seem you know logical at 55 degrees today, but a lot of this stuff, maybe both of these callers, are caused by that really cold weather. Um, and, you know, for example, uh, if you're looking around the house now in March and you're seeing cracks in the drywall, plaster, crown mold, cabinet, furniture, things that you just didn't see last year, you know, well, last winter, it wasn't this cold and we didn't pour the coal literally into the furnace and heat this house, you know, 24 seven trying to keep up with six below zero. So, I mean, well, when you heat that hard, uh, it's hard to keep the humidity up and you wind up drying out the wood, drying out the plaster, drying out the floor structure, drying out the wood floors. Everything shrinks and it cracks because it gets smaller at the joints. Um, nothing big deal, so it's not a structural issue. It's just like when you button your shirt and you inhale and you stretch those buttons and they deform that you know little lapel or the little trim piece no longer is straight. It stretches because either you gain too much weight or you inhale too much air. Anyway, Scott Mosby, home improvement, trying to keep things simple for all the rest of us. But uh, we do have some splaining to do because of the very, very cold winter we've just gone through. Scott Mosby, home improvement, Camo X. This is the voice of St. Louis, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX, lots of good things happening here. Uh, I invite you to the Call Mosby website or Mosby Building Arts website. Some of our current blogs and topics um, architects and how they plan for the perfect storage uh, so you're putting in a new TV a new TV surround some shelves a new little bit of good look stuff you know well there okay what do you do with uh, 
you know, the equipment, where does that go? Maybe you're an audiophile and you're still listening to CV, CDs or DVD movies and all. Where does that go? Well, I want to put those beautiful books up too. So anyway, the point being, there is a process to these things. And it's an article from Howes. Uh, and we've reposted it on the Call Mosby or Mosby Building Arts website. And these are articles we find pertinent to our clients and those that are in the remodeling planning process. Because really, it's no different than studying for the test. The reason design is so important to us is it's kind of like going to school. If you study for the test, the test is an enjoyable and successful experience. If you don't prepare for that event, if you don't do your homework before the remodeling project starts, Ooh, the test or the project wind up being a little tough on you. Uh, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. Let's go back and talk with my friend Norm. Hey, Norm, good morning. Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Hi, thanks for taking the call. I have a question of what do you do first? We have a 40-year-old blacktop driveway that needs to be replaced, and also the concrete walkway needs to be replaced. Mm-hmm. The uh, county is going to be fixing a couple of the concrete slabs on the sidewalk uh, probably sometime this spring. So the question is, what do you do first? Do you do the blacktop first and then the sidewalks? or The other way around. You... The other way. Think of it in terms of um, uh, painting a bathroom. So you paint the ceiling first because your drips hit the walls. So you get a chance to fix all those drips when you paint the walls later. So as it relates to your house, you go deepest into the driveway or into the house. So you basically tear out and replace your concrete sidewalk. Uh, because that's going to be some real open dirt, you know, and you want, and, it, and it's it's pretty invasive. So you have heavy equipment, you have traffic, all that stuff on your yard, and then yeah. once that's all buttoned up, you kind of backfill, plant the grass around that the best you can, start watering. Then you change the asphalt because then the asphalt driveway is easier to trim up to the concrete front of the sidewalk than it is the other way around. And I would, frankly, then you just have to coordinate that while the front sidewalk is getting fixed by the city or the county, that's a good time to do your front sidewalk. Right, which it's on the schedule. So given the COVID and all the other stuff, it's supposed to be done this spring. So concrete first, then the blacktop driveway. Yes, and uh, even if you go uh, one step further to lawn irrigation or low-volt lighting, you do that before the concrete so you can put some uh, sleeves, some um, conduit tubes underneath that sidewalk so you can get your wires from the left side of that sidewalk. to the. So all those things, now's the time to plan for it. So think ahead for what am I going to do in my yard in the next five years, and what of that can I do? You don't need to do the irrigation now. You just need to put conduit or pipes underneath that sidewalk so it works, including downspout drains and how do I get the water away from the house. One of the things we find at Mosby Building Arts is we get called in on a water problem with people and they just put in a new sidewalk. Well, you wind up with a curving sidewalk and then you wind up with a straight driveway. So you've got this little island of soil right next to the house with two downspouts coming in it. There's no way for that water to get out because you just built a concrete sidewalk dam and raised the asphalt. So, you know, again, the downspout drain gets put in and discussed at the same time with the sidewalk, usually the same guys. Terrific. Can I ask you a question about the the mown uh, shower 
stall. Yeah. I missed about the first few minutes. We have sure. a similar problem in the shower with it's a moan, and it does drip. But if I push that thing in hard enough, it looks like it doesn't drip. Yeah. So is that a, still a plumber issue, or does it need yeah. WD-40? It's a 40-year-old no, house. No, that's just like your tired knee. You know, you live long enough, you're going to get a new knee, shoulder, or something, and that yeah. little button just gets pressed off, and it just needs to be rebuilt, either the valve body or the cartridge there. But that thing just slides in and out, no different than the thing on your kitchen faucet where you press the sprayer button. Your right. doggone thing is not rocket science, and it wears out earlier than the rest of it. So it's just plumber. Get it, get it replaced. Not a big deal. Very good. Yeah. Hey, I enjoy your program. I've called in several times, and uh, you haven't steered us wrong yet. Thank, thanks, Norm. I'm working on it. I'll see if I can work up a wrong answer for you here. How's that? Okay. Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay. okay. God bless. Bye-bye. Take, take care. Bye-bye. Uh, and again, I, I love Norm's question because it's a sequence. It's kind of like design. Somebody's going to make all those decisions about colors, uh, either at the last minute when it's like, okay, tell me the, the paint color you want on the house because the painters start tomorrow. Wow, that's a little bit late. Or the other issue is, you know, there's a lot of stuff going up there on the house, even as it relates to the landscaping. Am I going to put in a big tree in there? Well, maybe the big tree gets dug and planted before the front sidewalk concrete gets replaced. So you have a big tree mover, you know, the planter, that gets access. So work from the closest to the house out, or as it relates to painting or remodeling a room, you start at the top and you work your way out the door so that all your finish and your process, everything in sequence covers the problems, the inevitable um, work stuff that happens on your way out. So I, I like Norm's question a lot because it doesn't change the price of the project at all but it most definitely changes the success or what it's worth or what the consumer receives in the end if you get it wrong. So all construction is not the same because construction management and proper sequence is what leaves or destroys the you know beauty and value that gets paid for in, in, in a remodeling project. Uh, let's go see what's cooking with my buddy John. Hey, John, good morning. Welcome to KMYX. Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Morning, Scott. I called a couple of weeks ago. You may remember me. I got cut off because of a commercial break. You know, I yeah. didn't answer it fully, but I'm the guy that had the uh, cold air returns, and I had that piece of about quarter-inch thick piece of uh, felt or something behind that main cold air return in my living room. Mm-hmm. So I, I took that off, and I went to the hardware store, one of those old guys up in you know Overland, and he said, yeah. nah, throw that away. You don't need that. I don't know why it was blocking that, but it also probably made your air conditioner and furnace all these years work a little harder. Yes, sir. So I took that off, and I painted it and put it all back together because I had cable fiber coming mm-hmm. in. That's what all one project, you know, led to five because <laughs> I've got a 90-year-old house. Oh, yeah. So I went upstairs and thought, well, I'm going to stay on the cold air return routine, and I went up to both bedrooms upstairs. And I didn't find any felt on those cold air returns. However, I saw a, 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 right in the middle in the top, they had a hinge and a quarter-inch piece of plywood so that, and with a little arm coming out into the room. So you could – basically, they had a flipper kind of quarter-inch plywood stained mm-hmm. where you couldn't see it through there, blocking those upper bedroom 
uh, cold air returns. Why would they do that? Put that wood on there? Oh, that, that's exactly what it, it That is a damper. That is a do-it-yourself damper. If you think about it, in balancing the airflow of the house, uh, for example, I do that in my basement every morning or every spring and fall. I have a little, you know, the little levers, dampers, they're just paddle stoppers built into the ductwork. And, you know, during the winter, I drive pretty much the hot air more to the first floor and it rises up to the second. Now, in the summertime, the second floor is hotter, so I move that over so that the main flow goes to the second floor. This guy was doing that with wood because that's what he understood and could do. And, you know, basically, he's dropping down the flow to the second floor consciously and he would get in there or she or whoever put that in that that you can take a a a towel or a rug and you can stuff it up in that ductwork it'll do the same thing it's a fire hazard but you know as is the wood it's supposed to be done with galvanized steel sheet metal to do that dampering but actually he understood uh, this pretty well I took the pieces of wood out of there thinking that somebody didn't know what the heck they were doing. I took them out, and I'm putting the cold air returns back on without those covers on there. Is that bad? Is that wrong for me? No, 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 not at all. He's just, he's, he's, um, now your whole house will be better served. um, And he was trying, I think, to shut off the second floor. Well, you can't really do that because if you get the second floor too cold up there it will go through that condensation problem where the walls start sweating you know with condensation you know you just can't let it get too cold up there so so the old guy was trying to pump as much heat upstairs without any cold air returning down right right and, and that he thought it was going to that was going to warm him up but that's a lot harder on your furnace and air conditioning is it not well, your, your furnace and air conditioning are sized for the whole side of the house. So when you cut, you know, a second floor off or a half and half off, you have an oversized furnace, and that means you will cool the house off quicker, but you will not remove the humidity. So that that's why properly sizing heating and cooling equipment is very important um, because there's a lot more to it in this part of the world when we have our when our air is so wet, if you will, with humidity. I've got a little 22, uh, maybe a 2,000 square foot house with a single, you know, uh, unit outside, and it does the job, does an adequate job. But yeah. I just uh, thought that maybe I've been wearing out that furnace and air conditioner because all those years he's had those dampers up there. On yeah. those cold air returns behind there. Yeah. So, Well, you get a retired guy with too much time and, and knows a little bit. You know, uh, I've seen some pretty odd things. Yours is one of them. I think you're in the top 20, maybe not the top 10, but that's, you know, I, I've never heard of a wood flapper damper inside ductwork before. But there we go. Here's your sign. <laughs> okay, but you're good with me taking them all off and leaving oh, them off, right? Yeah, yes, sir. Please do. Please do. The one house was not engineered question. for those. One last question. Do you know anybody that abates asbestos? I got a crawl space underneath the sunroom with some asbestos torn, and I sure. want to have that removed. Do you know anybody? Yeah, yeah. Uh, give our office a call. We keep a list of that, and uh, we'll tell you who. And sometimes guys are too busy, another. But call our Mosby Building Arts office, 314-909-1800. We keep a referral list for the CAMWICS listeners. Will do. And thank you very much for your help today. Have a good weekend. Okay, John. Good luck, brother. Bye-bye. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Cam Wex. Uh, I hope you're having as much fun as I am. I enjoy this show, and I learned some stuff. <laughs> for example, here, John and wood dampers in the ductwork. Well, go figure. 
Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby here. I want to remind you we are not past the freeze. We may still get a few freezing temperatures. So those of you working in the yard, connecting garden hoses, make sure you disconnect those always this time of year until we get uh, really into May. Uh, you know, April's a little bit okay, but just be careful. If you connect the garden hose, wash the car, clean the driveway, wash off the deck, water the plants, whatever it is, disconnect that garden hose and let it drain uh, because that's how the antifreeze faucets because the freeze can get to it uh, time to kind of clean up those bird bath bird feeders uh, the, any fountains you might have prepare your uh, pools and such for the season irrigation system a little too early we don't we're getting plenty of rain here no reason to dewinterize and fire up this system although sometimes uh, you know you get the opportunity uh, the irrigation guys know when to get that going according to the weather just be aware all that stuff matters and just like the question about do I do my sidewalk first before the drive a sequence matters and sequence matters uh, for those of you planning any kind of room addition home remodeling whatever it is this season and I include that from you know April all the way through get started now uh, the whole world is haywire products are hard to get they're hard to even measure when they come uh, for example uh, we went to buy a, a refrigerator not long ago go and they said yeah we'll sell you the refrigerator uh, we don't have any in stock uh, we're expecting it sometime in the next four to six months well you know my ice cream won't keep that long so uh, just be aware that with the whole covid thing various shutdowns around the world various outbreaks and uh problems you know of the whole covid thing you know factories are shut down worlds are shut down um transportation is shut down as well as just taking enough time to properly plan a project and pre-order these products make sure follow up whether they're coming in on time and then get the project started on the right date scott mosby Home Improvement, KMOX. Stay tuned. News, weather, and sports on KMOX next. KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, hour two, lunchtime, KMOX home improvement, phone lines, phone numbers, phone calls. Bring it on here. Phone line is 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. When Brian Kelly wraps up and he says he gives all the temperatures, I feel like he should say, and in Jupiter, Florida, it's 78. You know, it's like, wow. Well, that's, you know, it seems like a chunk of St. Louis tends to go down there every spring. Um, but, you know, I guess uh, those of us that can and can't, you know, all that, you know, no hard feelings. But eh, what can I say? Uh, three, one, four, and four, in three, Jupiter, six, Florida, seven, it's yep. 79 degrees. Oh, oh I, thanks, Brian. You're my man. There we go. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. I, I think that should just be part of it. You know, it just, well, you know, for those of us that aren't there, you know, just. Just whisper in my ear, 78 degrees. There you go. All right, I'll do it. 
All right. Thanks, All right. Brian. Brian Kelly, KMOX News. Uh, and again, it just, uh, anyway, and think about Florida as well, because it does tie into this humidity thing that I got into in the first hour. You hear it every show on the KMOX Home Improvement Show that humidity matters. You know, if you live in, you know, Manitoba, Canada, you know, or British Columbia, you don't have to worry about it. It's not that humid there. Or maybe northern Minnesota, not that humid, gets cold as the Dickens. Well, then you get right about the middle of the country, different latitude. And then you get down to Florida, and the closer to the equator you get, the more humid you get. And But when you get to Florida and south of there, between that and the, and the equator, there is no cold season. There's a less hot but the humidity is there year-round, so we know how to build for that. But in the good old St. Louis area, and all the way through this same latitude, all the way through the middle of the United States, you know, at this elevation, we get a lot of humidity, and it sticks around. We live in a river valley, you know. I don't know how many rivers we've got, something, five of them roughly within, you know, 100 miles of here. Uh, anyway, phone lines, 314-436-7900, Let me talk to my patient friend, Ted. Hey, Ted, you're on the CAMOX home line. How can I help you, sir? Um, yes, I have some home remodeling I need done. Yeah. Uh, you know, a shower and some upgraded lighting because um, I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, can you describe the process? that one goes through for that and as a homeowner am i responsible for purchasing the uh uh, new equipment the lighting and the tub and the shower and all that or is that something that uh you as a consultant would do and i'll uh well hang up and listen on the on the radio okay i'm gonna actually uh ted i'm gonna answer this question we're gonna take a short break after that and i'm gonna keep answering it because you answered that you asked a 264 dollar question um number one if you buy the materials number one you're buying retail materials and you're paying retail prices when you supply the materials the contractor is supplying only the labor uh, typically, a contractor will buy those materials. They buy the ones they like. They buy the ones they're willing to warranty and put their name on. There is a markup, so they add cost to that, and but they buy those products at a much cheaper. So they're basically buying the products for the same price you're buying them for, but then it comes with a warranty because now that's part of you write one check to one company. It's very clear whose warranty and responsibility it is for anything amiss. Uh, if you write one check to the contractor, it's their warranty, their responsibility, and their reputation. But from my point of view at, at Mosby, I like that because we're trained to do that. We go to school, we go to industry events, and we know what's hot. We know who's changed their engineering. We know who's invested in a, you know, which brand is uh, investing in uh, technology that is reliable and some of the edgy stuff that's not. comes. Most of these products come from all around the world. So you're buying kind of the reliability of a brand or not. So my point to that, uh, Ted, is... If you're asking me that question, then you're not really qualified to pick out the specific thing. So, for example, at Mosby, we go shopping with everybody each time. Uh, Or in the case of our right bath and our right kitchen, 
we have already pre-selected those products because we're only going to install. And there's what the customer loses. The customer loses choice because we offer three, four, or five faucets only. But all of those faucets are bomb-proof, great price, and we get them right away. Well, once you then you get into I want the whiz bang faucet, and that's in our design build area. We still go shopping, we still go through it, but the price of that faucet is probably three or four times the basic, and it might take four, five, six months to come in because it's a more design driven, stylish, um, you know, special finish and all that. So again, uh, for example, Ted, the more you can offload to the company, if it's a good company then your job is pretty much hold them accountable to their promise and brand. Uh, and then it's it's our job. So I'm one of those companies, Mosby Building Arts, we do exactly. We really like to install the products we supply because we know it. And if you're working with a heating and cooling guy or a plumber or even a landscaper, irrigation, and, and they say, you go get the materials and I'll put them in, Holy cow, how do you even know that part A gets along with part B or that the finish escutcheon, for example, um, in a Kohler faucet, uh, oftentimes or a Delta or Moen, you pick out a faucet, there may be choices in those faucets as to what the finish escutcheon is, what the handle is, what the spout is, and what the trip lever looks like, whether it comes with a drain in the bottom of the bowl or whether it's just the faucet body itself. Those are all things that, you know, the big box stores put in one box so it looks simple, but in the rest of the industry, if you step outside of that, um, it gets more complex. You get more choice, you get more control, you get better quality because they're not price point products. So anyway, this is a big deal. I'll talk about this a little more in hour two. Uh, but frankly, um, the it, my personal and the way I personally buy is I shop for people. I buy people. So if I'm getting into something, I just like you and you listen to this show, I get smart enough to just kind of know where the uh, gutters are, where the pitfalls and the potholes, and I wait and I listen. So I'm I'm a listener, and I'll interview because this is an employment interview. You're hiring an employee. It happens to be a company and a group of employees that go along with that, but you're hiring somebody to serve you for pay, to be accountable and deliver a warranty and a good company wants a long-term warranty so they want to see you for the rest of your life and the and have a long-term relationship so treating you good is great if it's a one-hit wonder you got a you know a 240 uh, warranty, which means two taillights, 40 miles an hour as the truck pulls away, you're done. You know, that's a whole different thing, but you're paying more for a full service and full warranty than you are if you buy the material. So anyway, I just, I'm amazed how many people work with uh, companies and the contractor says, you go buy the stuff and I'll put it in. Wow. I mean, for us, that means we're going to waste four to six hours trying to buy the rest of the materials that didn't get selected because the homeowner really doesn't know how to buy those materials. Uh, So anyway, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Um, I'm trying to tell you where my passions are because, frankly, um, uh, remodeling has a lot of moving parts. Here's the definition of a remodeling project, and this relates to you, Ted. So... We're going to have an industrial factory construction production process that typically is going to create a something out of 
tens of thousands of different parts of nails, 2x4s, drywall, plaster, tile backing, tile, tile grout, uh, tile adhesive, plumbing faucets, all of all that stuff we're going to do in your house while you're there with the dust and the mess or not, depending on how the company prepares for that. And, by the way, if they if you're supposed to go buy all that stuff, how do you have a clue what you're going to buy? So anyway, just my point there. Uh, let's talk about this and more as we get into hour two of the Helitech Home Improvement Show. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. So, you know, just be aware that typically a small company, one-man show, two-man show, will not be design-driven and product selection staffed. They just aren't made to help you with that. And for that, it's generally a less costing, costly process. You're, you're not paying for it. You're not getting it, but you're assuming the risk. But if you pay a few more dollars, you're now buying that help in selection. You're getting more warranty with it and all the stuff. It's it's the contractor's problem on making it all fit together, getting the orders right, and following up, making the you know hundreds of phone calls that it takes to find out, you know, well, where is that faucet? Um, is it around here or is it going to be due here in another two months? So anyway, that's, uh, that's kind of how it goes. So, Ted, we're going to take a short pause and come back for more, and I'll answer more as we get into the Helitech Home Improvement Show, Hour 2, Lunchtime on KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby, Hour 2, Lunchtime, KMOX. Uh, we are live and lively. Uh, all this and phone lines uh, all for you. Bring them on, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. I got into Ted, the first question of the hour, and is it, uh, do I buy the materials for a remodeling project, or how does it start? Uh, so, frankly, if that's the question that's being asked, the goal is to either learn as much as you can as a consumer so you can kind of guide and drive this project or you find somebody and you buy those surface services uh, because that's how the company is built the more services you put together in one company the more costly that is because you've got more people that are doing things for you but the risk goes down so as the price goes up the risk goes down because they're putting in products they like they are willing to warranty uh, that they know fit together uh, and if you wind up uh, doing that selection for yourself oftentimes you just don't quite get the right accessories or the peripherals so making the selection of this is the style of faucet I want I like that color I like that faucet at that point that's great that's a decision that's a consumer homeowners responsibility next it's up to the designer and that's why we design build at Mosby because that's all part of the design process not only are we showing the toilet goes here the cabinet goes here the showers here single handle we then get into which faucet do you want in that shower what's the toilet the color the toilet seat do you want a washlet in that toilet seat which is kind of a bidet feature it's very common today um, if if so then we need to have uh, you know some um, an electrical outlet for that washlet seat because do you really want cold water spraying on your bum or do you want warm water well there's a water you know a, a warm water heating element that goes with that electric the night lights all anyway all those things are there for you or not so make sure you're doing uh, you know uh, the selections with somebody that knows better uh, let's go to Dennis hey Dennis good afternoon welcome to KMOX how can I help you my friend uh, hi my question concerns uh, draining the hot water heater now, I know 
I think you've told us online before, uh, when you do that, sometimes this sediment that's accumulated in the bottom of the water heater yes. will get caught in the in the valve, and then when you try to turn the valve shut, it'll drip. Yes. Correct? Correct. Okay. The valve has a, you know, it's threaded so that you can put a hose on it when you drain it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is in there a cap that I could get and just, if it does that, could I just buy a cap and put it on? I mean, shut the valve, and if it drips, then yep. put a cap on that drain? That's exactly that the answer. $3.50 in the hardware store, and you just cap off that drain, and you got her done. That's exactly okay, the answer. I've been, I know I need to do this. I've been putting it off. The water heater's <laughs> 12 years old. The people who put it in were here for three years, and then they sold the house, and then the house just stood kind of empty for a couple of years before I bought it, and I didn't really move in it until two years ago and live here full-time, you know, until now. Okay. So I'm, I don't really know what to expect. Does, does, since it just stood there like that, all that, is that worse or better? Uh, worse. That's worse, okay. Yeah, at 12 years, I can guarantee you have a nice chunk of stone, limestone, in the bottom of that water heater. Um, because, you know, that age, whether you flush it or not, uh, you have to flush it often, really, to keep that, you know, uh, sand from slabbing up. But uh, that's why water heaters, when you have them replaced, you wind up bringing them in with one man and you take them out with two. And that's because of the limestone sediment if you don't clean them out. So the point is, is you already have a little slab of stone in there. Even if you flush your water heater now, you're going to flush the loose stuff, but you're not... um, you know, it's like, well, do I just overeat for 12 years and then I go on a diet? How's that going to do for me? It's like, well, good luck because you're already going to have packed on that 100 pounds. Now, how do you, you know, it's going to take three times as long to get rid of that 100 pounds. So, so. But I should do it regardless. I mean. Yeah, it it can't hurt. And I mean, that is the okay. issue. You wind up with that leak and you just put that little, it, it's just a hose cap on it. So it's the same threading as a hose. So it's, you go to the hose department and 350. Sometimes plastic, yeah. sometimes brass, but either one works. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, Thank yeah. And, and remember, turn off the power, whether it's the right. you know pilot light gas water. or yeah. the electric, and then shut off the water for a while. Open that up and drain it. And then I like to turn the water on and off several times, kind of spraying and spritzing around inside that tank, trying to slurry that stuff out. So I put it up into suspension where that sand gets up in that water and rides out through the valve at the bottom. Uh, okay. Yep. All right. Thank you. Okay. Good luck. Good uh, Good practice, by the way. And when you replace that water heater, probably here in the next three years, uh, make sure you drain that at least once a year. That's the good practice. Okay, Dennis. Good luck, my friend. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, CamOX. Let's see what else is uh, hanging around here. Let's talk to Larry. Hey, Larry, Scott Mosby, CamOX. How can I help you, my friend? Uh, Hello, Larry. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, Scott. Yes, sir. Uh, I I own a house. It was built as a spec house. I bought it new. It was built about 23 years ago in 96, I think it was. Okay. And... Uh, Whenever they built this house, instead of just digging the footing and putting blocks on it, then what they did, and then bring the dirt up to it, they dug down into the ground, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and, and put the blocks down so I could have enough crawl space. Well, uh, 
I had to put a sump pump under there because I was getting water under my house. That dirt's down low under the house. Yes. Well, um, they also got my duct work. It runs all the way, you know, through the house. It's a ranch-style house. Mm-hmm. That's square, rectangular duct work. And uh, it, it uh, condensation gets really bad on that in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And I... I couldn't understand the concept of that, but that water just drips down. I got a vapor barrier, plastic vapor air, and it drips down on that, you know, really bad and kind of pools there. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do that's not too complicated to correct that? Or Yes. Um, to stop condensation, you raise the air temperature in the crawl space or you insulate the metal. Or, or the third thing is you don't let them touch. So you um, raise the temperature, lower the humidity, or third choice is insulate that metal so the two of those uh, points don't touch. You, the, hot, the moist air does not touch that cold metal. So the easiest thing I would do is if you have the room for it, is put a dehumidifier down there or two um and and circulate the air if you can with a fan of some sort so treat it kind of like a basement where it's open air flows around and then the uh, dehumidifier pulls the moisture out so the ductwork would continue to get as cold as it does in the summer when it gets hotter that ductwork gets colder um but the issue then becomes um if the air is not as wet, you raise the dew point. So um, instead of dripping at, um, or e- e- dripping at, uh, say, 65 degrees metal temperature, um, if you raise that uh, or drop the humidity, then it may need to be 58 degrees before it starts condensing. Which So you can actually drop the humidity. There's just no moisture in the air to, to you know, beat up on that metal okay Uh, now you have to drain that critter the the little hidden secret in that is there's a ton of humidity down there it will always keep coming so you almost need a continuous drain or sump pump or pump exhausted condensate pump in that some um, portable humid dehumidifiers have that feature or you have to put a gravity drain on the outflow yeah is it is it a problem if I just leave it the way it is? I mean, it's it's done that for you know ever since I've been here. Yeah, it's it so. just uh, humidity, the smell of it. You know, you the the cold musty smell. You just that uh, humidity, the moisture in that crawl space uh, just stays too high too often. Uh, it's kind yeah. of the same as if you pull back your plastic vapor barrier. Um, so yeah. if you aren't noticing a smell. Um, or any kind of mold growing down there, then, you know, the consequences are pretty um, moderated. Yeah. It, you don't think that would get up on my floor, Joyce, or, you know? The... Oh, it, it can, especially if you've got a sump pump down there and you had that kind of water. You should go and stick yeah. your head down in there, and the color of that wood should be, you know, yellow and white, not necessarily gray and black. Um, that'll okay. tell you, you know. Okay. Okay. I'll... I, you just get regular sump pumps, and I mean, it's to... Or dehumidifier, yeah. Yeah, I meant dehumidifiers. 
Yeah, you just have to make sure it fits. And then you have to figure out where in the underneath that house you want this thing running. You can't necessarily put it underneath your bedroom because you'll listen to that all night long. So you have okay. to kind of figure out where you want one or two. And then if it's a big enough crawl space, do I need a fan down there to move the air around between the two? Okay, so. that makes sense. Okay, I Larry. appreciate it, Scott. You Thank bet. You Take- All right. Bye now. Home improvement, again, on changing the dew point, which is how do I remove the humidity or condensation? You raise the air temperature, you know, so we don't see dew outside in the backyard until the temperature in the morning gets down pretty low and uh, or you drop the humidity relative humidity so you don't have as much air so raise the air temp drop the humidity level or don't let the two of those touch which is insulating isolating those ducts home improvement scott mosby 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 we are live and lively on camwex on the helitech home improvement show all right, back together, home improvement. Uh, phone lines open, 314-436-7900, Hey, tonight, uh, Cardinal Baseball. Yep, up 5 p.m. here on University of Camwex. Cards versus the Marlins. Ooh, baby. <laughs> it's probably warmer than 78 degrees now, but uh, we'll leave that to Brian Kelly to titillate you with that temp forecast uh let's go to the phones and see what's cooking with my buddy uh let's how about doug hey doug good afternoon welcome to lunch on camwax how can i help friend hey scott thanks um i want to run some wiring and i want to hide it i'm trying to do some speakers in my living room mm-hmm. and the, t- the television and the receiver are on one side of the room and i want to put uh, two satellite speakers on the other side and i was just uh, curious if you were going to do that how you would run the wiring to hide it uh okay do you have a basement down below that where you can get into the basement floor joist and run you know across the floor of that room down below that that could be an idea yes there is a basement below okay think about this um basically you're going to have a kind of an electrical box or cover plate it might be a single gang you know two inches by five inches or a double gang which is five inches by five inches and a cover plate on it Uh, if you use a two gang five by five cover plate that's a pretty big hole in the wall so you can actually get your hand in there and look around so the goal then is and maybe the other side of the room only needs a single gang whatever your role and responsibility is picked between two two by fours or a stud space where you're going to miss existing wiring okay don't don't put it next to the electrical outlet you know but if you've got an electrical outlet you know on the right side of the room and then eight feet to your left another outlet you can assume about that same height there's a wire going horizontally in that wall so my coaching and experience is uh the low volt wire guys and these guys are nigh on to wizards here because they'll put those two access points uh in the wall um, and before they cut those holes, they'll go down in the basement, make sure they're missing ductwork. They're missing, you know, they're not, you know, cutting a hole over the top of the ductwork where they can't get to it. And then they'll drill the hole uh, from the basement through the floor plywood or OSB, you know, chipboard, whatever you want to call the stuff. And then it, you'll go up through another inch and a half two by four plate. So you're going to drill through two and a quarter inches of wood. The idea there is, you know, drilling the hole is not a big deal unless you hit 120 volt wire 
Exactly. You, you see what I mean? So, you, you know, it, you know, it's kind of like those car ads 50 years ago. They'd crash into each other when they were starting all the safety things. And I remember British Leyland, they had this little car come across, you know, and it missed the barrier. And the, the thing was, is at British Leyland, we try to miss. So the idea is don't prove how crash-worthy your car is. Miss the electrical wire inside the wall. You see what I mean? Yep, that's good advice. Then, um then on the floor joists in the basement, would you just run the wiring on the bottom of those joists if you're running the opposite direction of the way the joists run? You can, um, but the wiring, I typically on that uh, and the structural loading, uh, as long as you're you know in from the ends of those two floor joists, you stay two feet from the end on both sides. Okay. If you drill that hole right in the middle, so you have a two by ten. It's you know like nine and a half inches tall. You drill it about four and a half inches from the top or bottom. You're right in the middle, and that's not you know that's if you look at a bar joist. You know how a steel bar joist has those bars zigzagging through them. Yes. The point is, is all those holes don't really do that much. So there's a pattern. If you just drill your holes and dr- don't drill them any bigger than you need, you can run two low volt wires through that one hole. Do not use the same wire hole that has 120 volt in it because you get a whole lot of crosstalk on that 120 volt. You can mess up the the frequency Reception. and signals. Yeah, yeah. So I drill 3 eighths inch if that's big enough, maybe half inch. I mean, you can drill, you know, three quarters, but that's just overkill. Put it in the center of the floor joist, cut them straight. So make sure you don't, you know, when you drill those holes, drill them in a straight line because that suggests when I get into a home and I see those holes and they don't even line them up in a straight line, it's like, Mo, Larry, and Curly were here. They didn't even pay attention to make it look, you know, they didn't care. You know, that tells me they didn't care. So this is what's called in a workmanlike fashion in the building code. Or where I look at it is, okay, how far up and down the food chain was was the installer? You follow me there? Yep, yep, that's good advice. Yep. I mean, it'll take you an extra 60 seconds to get them straight, so why not? Yep, exactly. Yeah. All right. And uh, pull that wire. Then typically when you're pulling that wire, generally drop a coat hanger uh, from the top down, basically you fish from the bottom up, and then you drop a chase or another pull. So basically, I'm just uh, say my room's 20 feet wide. You know, I'll cut a 30 foot piece of wire, and I'll pull five feet up into the wall. Then and tie a knot. You know, make sure it doesn't pull out, and then do the same thing. So basically, drop a fish down through the hole in the drywall. You try and find that hole you just can't do it so you fish up from the bottom then you can reach in grab that uh, fish tape or whatever it is or for you it might be a coat hanger metal coat hanger and then you just pull a piece of wire down from the top you make it up in the bottom you pull them both up on both ends upside in that room excellent great advice thank you very much if you think it's going to take you four hours set aside eight (laughs) the pro will do it in three and you will do it in eight or at least i will so yeah me too yeah. Thanks so much, Scott. Enjoy the show. Okay, Doug. Good luck, brother. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, one of the things that I love more is music. I just love having music around me. So, uh, Doug, I think you'll really enjoy what you're about to do. That's just a nice touch. Uh, let me see. What's that. Let's take a short pause. You know what? I'm a little windy here. Let's take a short pause and come back for more on University of KMOX. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. This is Scott Mosby. We'll be right back. 
Oh, yes, indeed. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, I'll summarize some of our questions as we get later on in the hour. Right now, we're going right to the phone lines, see what's cooking with my buddy, Bob. Very patient. Bob, thanks for joining us here. This is Scott Mosby. How can I help you, my friend? Oh, good afternoon, sir. Nice that you remembered me as, as your good friend. I've, <laughs> have, I've talked with you several times. Thoroughly enjoy your show. It's it's top professional. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Um, I have uh, was up on my roof yesterday. I have three gables. Each one uh, uh, probably has uh, 250 square feet in it. Um, I put uh, steel lap siding on that, 50-year guarantee, about 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Looking at it yesterday, um, the paint is uh, significantly discolored. And uh, it's uh, showing no rust, but mm-hmm. um, uh, it, it needs really cleaned up and then painted properly. What do you recommend to do that? Uh, well, you're kind of painting a car, uh, frankly. Uh, and with any lap siding, number one, steel is one of the few sidings you really can paint in, in, uh, in place because it doesn't expand and contract quite as much as the vinyl, quite as much as the aluminum. Uh, so where one uh, piece of siding laps over one or that one piece tucks behind, uh, if you paint that siding, and, and now's about the right temperature because right around 55 degrees, you don't want to wait until the sun is on it because then they all get longer and then that lap increases you paint your siding and then when it gets cold again and those those metal siding pieces get shorter now you have a different color at the lap joints do you follow what i'm saying yes okay so you're kind of you have to scrub that steel siding good stuff by the way uh i love the old steel siding they had really good painted coatings on there but they do chalk so you have to uh, a power wash them, scrub them mechanically somehow. So I like to brush scrub them, or you know, a good uh, use, profession- use any kind of a cleaner in that uh, power oh, wash, or just oh, water. Yeah. No, no, use a, some sort of detergent, uh, something that really is good, but uh, just a good detergent. Uh, they have, uh, like, uh, Simple Green is a good one. Some of the old times are Spick and Span, uh, things like that. Just something that is a really, really good emulsifier because you'll knock that chalking loose, and then it just needs to slide and slip and rinse away. At okay. that point... You dry it out. You have to pick your temperature. You can spot prime that. So anytime you have maybe a scrape or a scratch that might have some rust on it, just like a car, you go in there, you sand it out, spot prime it with a metal primer on the raw primer. You really won't have too much of that because uh, other than at some of the cut joints on your steel ends. Um, and then at that point, um, you use use a good bonding primer because uh, in this you have to go to the paint store because, frankly, if you've got a piece of siding or something you can remove or an old piece, uh, take that or a good picture of your siding in and say, this is what I'm painting. Ask them to design the system for you because it's going to be the combination of that first coat. You've got your primer, raw primer, which might be even a spray can. Uh, but then you need a bonding primer that sticks to that old chalked paint that is now clean. And that's the one that really counts. Uh, it can be paint, it can be roller applied, it can be sprayed. Uh, but you're going to have to pull those laps open and tuck behind there uh, with some color that's similar. I like to tint the 
the primer close to the finished color, whether I'm painting drywall, plaster, steel, siding, you know, exterior plaster, whatever it is. Um, and then a good top coat. Top coat's probably going to be a typical uh, latex or, or something like that. So the top coat will actually be uh, a paint you're familiar with because latex and water-based are really ultraviolet light um, uh, solid. So they don't fade like, you know, um, uh, solvent-based paints like oil right. paint. Right. Uh, so, so the the whole thing is, if you can get a piece in your hand, take it into a paint store, and say, okay, you're the paint chemist guy. Show, sell me the two or three products together that I need to make this work, and then you'll be in good hands. Uh, you're you're recommending two primers, one primer. Uh, two primers, but one may be. I mean, one may be just for the rusty spots. Okay. You see what I, I mean, Bob? You. you know, and it may be a you know a five dollar primer spray can. You know. Uh, yeah, I understand. I see uh, saw no signs of rust, but but the variance in color uh, was significant yeah. in, in uh, certain areas. Yeah. Um, one one end of the house is exposed to uh, a good bit of sun. The other two both face uh, northeast and get very little morning sun, and that's it. Yeah. Um, all right, sir. I greatly appreciate your intake. Thank you. You bet, Bob. And, and really, the smartest guy in, in our trio of experts is going to be the guy that designs the two or three paints that get along with each other and that, you know, takes into consideration that ultraviolet light fade problem, too. So that's your paint guy. All right. Thanks, Bob. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Let's talk to my other bub, buddy, uh, Bob. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Scott Mosby here. How can I help you, friend? Well, um, thank you, uh, Scott. I have a water pressure problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, We took out the original shower with a tub, and we put in a a walk-in shower because we were getting older and we didn't want to be stepping over the tub. And we put in one of those rain shower type um, faucets. And there just doesn't seem to be any water pressure uh, on the north end of the house where the walk-in shower is. But on the south end where the um, tub-type shower um, has great water pressure, is there any way I can boost that water pressure? And I might add that the, uh, the hot water tank is close to the shower on the south end of the house. Hmm. I suspect your uh, your low pressure is probably a smaller diameter pipe. You may have half-inch lines going there, whereas where you're close to the water heater and your higher pressure, it may be more that. Um, you uh, A rain shower, shower head, takes a huge amount of water. Uh, so there might be a, a water uh, restrictor, which basically um, makes the space the water's lines smaller and higher force. Either way, it's a longer answer. I'm, I've only got another 10 seconds here. So anyway, thanks, Bob. I, I'm sorry for the short answer. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Stay tuned. Cards coming on tonight, 5 p.m.